TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Here's a drive to left. Alex Gordon going back. And Maurer with a home run! Seven runs batted in on a five-hit night. High drive, left center field. Going back is Bradley. Going back is Bradley. It's gone! A walk-off home run for Joe Maurer! TCL Broadcast Studios. This is Derek Wetmore. I'm sitting in with Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar talking all things Joe Maurer today on the day that he retired Pretty special moment for the Twins putting on that big of a show, and I thought they did it fairly well today. Judd, I saw you over there. I'm definitely going to lead into a hot take at some point in this hour of the special edition of the Touch Em All podcast, but I want to start with one that's a little less controversial because, and Matthew's looking at me sideways, I tend to sidestep controversy at basically every opportunity I get. We'll make sure you don't do that. Yeah, well, we'll get into my hot take that uh, Joe Maurer belongs in Cooperstown. I think that'll be coming up. But I want to start with this because, John, I know you and I have kicked this around over the years that Joe Maurer is going to get a statue. Joe Maurer is one of the five or six greatest twins of all time. Do you think that uh, it's just a matter of time before there's a number seven statue out at Target Field? Uh, one, I, I asked uh, David St. Peter after the press conference, the Twins president today, when is number seven going to be retired? And he pointed out to me, so this is a telltale. He also said this is going to be a rollout type of deal. St. Peter told me, David said that they retired Killebrew's number three while he was still playing for Kansas City back in the early 70s. The Twins did, I should say. Um, Puckett and Herbeck had their numbers retired immediately the season after they they stepped away from baseball. And um, Carew had his 29 retired by the Twins the season after he was done playing in California to okay. end his career. So I think what we're going to see is Mauer's seven is goes to the rafters, so, so to speak, in hockey parlance, in 2019. Uh, the the gate the gate and statue issue are a little more dicey. I, sure. think, I think a statue is for sure, but I was told that won't happen in 2019, so we'll probably milk that one into 2020-21. And then um, my understanding is that there is one gate at Target Field that is open and can be used. And Dave said, don't assume that. His point being that Bly Levin doesn't have a gate. Well, Bert's not a Bert's not a player who was here for his entire career, and he didn't grow up here. And so I think all of those things will happen eventually, but I think the number gets retired this coming summer. How long does it take to make a statue? Yeah, well, you got to cash the bronze. So he tells you he's going to retire, and then you get a guy to start working on the statue, and as soon as it's done, that's when Joe Maurer has right. his statue. <laughs> it's not really right. about... If he's going to have a statue, just where, uh, you know, based on all the other ones out there, are, you know, I mean, where are you going to put it within them? And is he next to TC Bear like Judd would be or something right. like that? And I, what pose? I was on TC Bear's lap once for a picture. 
and yeah, uh, the bronze TC bear. We all remember we that. Clarify. So uh, I, you know, I, I guess the way that I came away from today and him retiring is not whether he's going to get all the extra things that go along with being a legend, but just whether the people who were sort of miserable about Joe Maurer over the last five years or so, whether they're done with that or not, right? Well, like whether they just have nothing more to say about it. They complained when it was going on, but then upon reflection, it's sort of like in a different, in a different way, but comparable that your Randy Moss became a bit of a pain. And so maybe at that time in 2010, you were really mad at Randy Moss for not giving you what you wanted for your team, but ultimately you go, okay, right. we get it. He is one of the greatest Here. of all time. I wonder if that is going to happen with Maurer or if 10 years from now someone will still call and go, yeah, but he made too much money. You know what? You know what? I be- I firmly believe that the reason that a big part of the reason why people soured on Joe so much is the contract essentially dovetailed into the decline of the franchise. And people are going to forget that. If the franchise had continued to be successful, 2011, 12, 13, occasional playoff appearances, if, if they hadn't gone from 2010, he signs the contract that spring, and I think it kicked in in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, but 2010, they go to the playoffs, and you're thinking, okay, the next year they're going back, and then they lose mm-hmm. 99 games. So I think to answer Collar's question, I believe that the majority of those people are going to go away because Maurer and the franchise's uh, decline just gave them a, a reason to be upset. I don't think that that's going to linger now into Joe's retirement. Well, and that's right. I mean, and that's why Kirby Puckett is revered as one of the greatest twins of all. He won two World Series rings. And let's be fair about that turn of the decade team. Joe Maurer was part of the reason that they weren't. I mean, in baseball, you can't lift an entire team up like LeBron can in the NBA. But if Joe Maurer continues to be Joe Maurer, that's a better team through some of those years. Uh, 99 losses, you don't just snap in an MVP catcher and make it a, a World Series winning team. But I think that, not saying he necessarily earned some of the blame, but just that some of the blame is going to fall on him. Some of it's fair. Most of it's exaggerated. I think the timing on this sort of thing and just the way we view Entertainment and sports works the same way that with a band, if the band does like two or three good albums and then breaks up, then everyone's like, oh, greatest band of all time. Like Nirvana, they broke up in a unique way. Um, But but like if Nirvana makes five more albums unique and then. I was sad about it. Yeah, I don't know, it was a unique. Disappointing uh, and sad way. I will put it that way. Yeah, maybe not unique for the genre. But anyway, you know, Nirvana makes three albums and they're all classics and everyone loves them and has them and then they don't make anything more. But if they make 10 more and they're just like, okay, and some good, some bad, like Smashing Pumpkins, for example, then you'd be like, uh, okay, they're just maybe not, not as good as I think they were. Even though their peak was incredible, I think of Joe Maurer being sort of the same way, that the end actually is pretty good. Like sure. He's a, still a good Major League Baseball player. He's, he's Dave the top Grohl. Of the lineup. Yeah, that's right. Like He's pretty good. But if he had ended his career before bilateral weakness, we would have looked at him as being like a sad situation, but also we would have pumped up that career as this was one of the five greatest catchers of all time. And instead, because of the way that it went down, not only with the team, but also just with his career, I think that opened the door for a lot more criticism than he deserved. Well, and here's the list. We're talking about not only greatest catcher conversation. He's not the greatest catcher, but... Talk about him. If you're talking about some of the greatest catchers of all time, and you look at their best five, six, seven years of their career, 
Joe Maurer's in that conversation. Um, as far as twins, he's kind of leading the conversation. I wrote a piece towards the end of the season that Maurer had been chasing this all year, and I don't think it was something he pinned in his clubhouse double-wide locker or anything like that. But he was chasing Harmon Killebrew for the number of times reaching base in a Twins uniform, and Maurer surpassed him towards the very end of the season. He ends up 3,087 times on base in his 15-year big league career. That's ahead of Harmon Killebrew, ahead of Kirby Puckett, Rod Carew, Tony Oliva, whose career, of course, was cut short. That's the company. That's the company that Joe Maurer keeps among twins. So that's the part like, let's just move past that part of the conversation. Twins legend over and done with. Joe Maurer is on that short list of greatest twins of all time. Yeah. Well, there have been, there have been three American League catchers to win a batting title, yeah. and all three are named Joe Maurer. Yeah, He's, he, you cannot argue this. If you liked him, you didn't. The personality, you liked it, you didn't. You cannot argue the fact that he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, hitting catcher in the American League to play the game. Now, if you want power, then I get it. Then you're going to say, well, he didn't hit bombs. Okay, he didn't hit bombs. But if we're talking about a guy who got up there and made contact consistently and worked counts and was a craftsman at the plate... And played a position at six foot five, by the way, which is incredibly yeah. demanding. Joe Maurer is is the greatest hitting American League catcher. So, so there's these sort of different phases of Joe Maurer for what we can talk about is like some things that were disappointing toward the end of his career and the injuries that struck him and how he's viewed locally and how some put him up on the greatest pedestal of all time and then others tried to rip him down. But I think that when you're looking at that section of time where he's at his best, which was a long period, I think we're talking about like eight years there. So that's ten uh, years as a catcher. Okay. So, yes, it's a long period. So, a decade, a decade of greatness. And and at the plate, talking about the hitting, uh, the batting champions and the getting on base and all that stuff. But I look at it through the lens of how rare he was as a catcher and how many catchers come through. That if this was just an outfielder, you'd say, well, those are still some really great accomplishments, but it's an outfielder. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for a first baseman. Like, that's the job. There are a lot of big mashers who can hit. Like, Ryan Howard hit a bunch of home runs. Like, does anyone care about Ryan Howard? Not really. But when it's a catcher, at any given time... In Major League Baseball, there's like two. Yes. And like one of them has been Yadier Molina the whole time. And then it's sort of a rotating cast of other guys. And so when Maurer is at his best, not just as a hitter, but behind the plate and the pitchers that he was dealing with and how many guys had great sort of pop-up times with him as their catcher, I don't think that that was ever by mistake. I think he was fantastic back there, and that that impact on those teams getting to where they did is something that we sort of don't even look at enough because we're always talking about how good he was at the plate. We'll take a break here from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We're talking all things Joe Maurer on the day of his retirement on this special edition of Touch Em All with Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad. I'm Derek Wetmore. We'll come back and I'll tell you why Joe Maurer is a Hall of Famer. Maurer swung on, ground ball single, face hit, center field. Joe Maurer, his first major league hit. High drive, deep right center field. Hello, Joe Maurer, Touch Em All. Hello. First major league home run. Joe Maurer, now former twin. Former twin star Joe Maurer. It's Still sounds a little weird to say. 
Uh, we are does breaking. It? Yeah, it does feel a little weird after September. After the I, events of what look, was I it? knew this was going to happen. September thirtieth with him. I'm still, I, it seems complete. I am completely at ease with saying if if he had come back, if he had come out on Friday or Sunday with a full page ad in the papers and said, "Hey, folks, you know what?" Two more years. That was fun, yeah. but I just said, I would have been like, what? <laughs> like, you can't come out. And you can. M- Molitor said that to today. That he said, he basically told him, Joe. Yeah. Joe, this is about as final as you can get. I don't know what more you could have done yes. than what the twins did. And, on- by, and by the way, that was great. Yeah. Like, I will, I will always say this. For a parting shot from an athlete who was that good, I think that might be the coolest thing I ever see. Just the coming out of the catching gear and getting that hit, which was such a Mauer hit. Everything he did on that day was was for a guy who we considered to be a, a vanilla personality. Everything on that day was just seemed so perfect. Yeah, that's Judd Zolgad. I'm Derek Wetmore. We're talking with Matthew Collar in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Special edition of Touch Em All. Um, all things Joe Mauer. Guys, I think Joe Mauer's a Hall of Famer. And I catch a lot of heat for that um, on the internet. And I get it. You want to protect the sanctity of the club. You want it to be as exclusive as you possibly can. I I understand why you would fight against somebody's Hall of Fame credentials, but also, why would you fight against somebody's Hall of Fame credentials? Fantastic player. 306 career batting average. Um, Look, the accolades are there. They're up on the wall. They'd be on posters. It's we just talked about how he's one of the greatest twins of all time. I also think he's one of the greatest catchers, not in the Hall of Fame. And I'm talking in baseball history. I dug up a piece on fan graphs that uh, Jay Jaffe is kind of the, I don't know if you'd call him resident Hall of Fame guy, but he's sort of the bar setter. He, he writes about every Hall of Fame case. He wrote about Chase Utley recently. He's written Joe Maurer. I trust him a lot when it comes to the Hall of Fame and what's the line, what's the bar. He stopped short of saying that Maurer's in, but he wrote a piece after Joe Maurer got his 2,000th hit saying, you know, good for Joe Maurer because 2,000 is kind of that bright line in the sand that says, if you fall short of this, it's pretty tough to earn your way into Cooperstown. But if you surpass that, here's the company that he keeps. And and Jaffe just looks at the the best few years of your career. So he takes his your peak seven years. It's going to... Maybe penalize a guy like Derek Jeter or whatever who plays 20 years, or guys who have the longest careers. But it really highlights those excellent players who are good in spurts, and Joe Maurer fits smack dab in the middle of that category for me. His best years were some of the best of all time. I think that it can be either or. That someone can be celebrated for their longevity. Yeah, that's right. That let's say you were very good for a very long time and you brought a ton of value to your organization. I mean, Jeter's a good example of this, is that you know when Jeter is at his peak, Alex Rodriguez is going 40-40. So he's not the best shortstop in the league at any point during his career, but he's 38 years old and hitting 300 still, yeah. and, and still able to play, even though he would get criticized for it, still able to play shortstop at a reasonably decent rate through all that time. There's a ton of value in that, even though you never had Barry Bonds years. Yeah. But Joe Maurer... In his peak, you kind of have to look at that. It's almost like in the NFL where they put in Terrell Davis. So Terrell Davis has like four peak years, but they're unbelievable. Barry Sanders. And and that's the same way that I look at Joe Maurer is when I pull up his numbers from his first All-Star appearance to his last one, 
He's hitting 327 with a 410 on base percentage. <laughs> right, right, right. And 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 as a catcher, I, by the way. Right, right, and playing some of the best catcher, which again is just it's hard for us because it's not quantifiable. So I have to go entirely, and I know there's like you know the. Uh, you know how often you frame a pitch well and stuff like that now, but you really didn't have that for Joe Maurer's career. So you have to go off just what you know and what gets said about him. And from my eye, he was one of the best behind plate that there was in the entire league. And the value to that is much higher than hitting 300. Sure. The, the, the value to that is through the roof. And there's yes. a reason why a lot of teams that win the World Series have like Cody Ross as their catcher or something. No, not Cody Ross. David Ross. David Ross. Mm-hmm. Cody Ross was somebody, right? The left fielder for the Giants that won the uh, MVP. Anyway, so like when you when you thanks old man when you add those two things together, getting old sucks. I've told yeah, you, your brain starts to go. When you add those two things together, I feel like there's a, there's an undeniable case for it. And I always wonder when you're talking about the, who who are these people who don't want him to be in the Hall of Fame. I feel like there's sort of this Venn diagram of people who are like climate deniers and like deniers of Joe Mauer has a Hall of Fame case because they're just not interested in any information. Like they decided at some point that that's what they thought. And like you could make a 60 hour presentation proving it unequivocally with all the greatest baseball minds ever. And they just wouldn't care. Sure, sure. Well, I think there's a borderline case as a hitter. And I'm glad you brought up the catching because so this was before I was, you know, big time stats nerd that I fancy myself today. But Joe Maurer, to me, given the given the um, reviews that he gets from his peers as having been a good catcher, I honestly think it's possible that as we sit today, Joe Maurer's career is being underrated. I think this about Yadier Molina. I think this about Buster Posey. The the best catchers if they're good behind the plate, provide an unbelievable amount of value. And I think history is going to say that maybe, you know, five years in 10 years, maybe we'll be saying, oh, these guys, there's a reason, there's a reason that the Twins missed Jason Castro last year. You know, not to compare Jason Castro and Joe Maurer's careers, but having a backstop back there who is good at keeping strikes like Matthew talked about, getting a pitching staff through a game, planning for a series, all of these things add up to real wins over the course of a season and over the course of a career. Mm-hmm. And I think even before he gets credit for that, which I think he'll do in, good, in due time, I think as a hitter, Joe Maurer, the catcher, Belongs in the conversation for Cooperstown. 2004 to 2013, during the time that Maurer was a catcher for the Twins. 323 batting average, 405 on base percentage, 468 slugging. That's pretty good. All right. here. Oh, so here's where I think our conversation is flawed, gentlemen. We are having the conversation in a state where Joe Maurer is seen as, but he made so much money at the end, right? I, I My hot take is this. I th- and not necessarily first ballot, but I think Joe Maurer is a shoe in by the national writers for this. Do I th- you? Yes, because I think I think ultimately they're going to look at that t- ten years as a catcher. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a long ten time. Ten years is a long time, and and you can starting in approximately 2013, you can explain the decline. Yes, concussions. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's not like it's not like a sad story of well he kept playing and then he just couldn't really play all that well yeah. and I didn't get it. Yeah, I think the Joe Maurer story, career arc, and statistical evidence that he put up as a catcher, our conversation comes comes from the very small window of what do you make of Joe Maurer and the per- and guess what the personality outside the state will never be considered. 
So if you didn't like the milk toast, they're not going to care. If yep. you liked it, they're not going to care. We factor in a lot of things in this conversation that when people start to get their ballots, they're not going to give a damn. What they're going to look at is three batting titles and the stats that I just read you guys as a catcher. And the fact that those teams were successful, mm-hmm. I think he is an eventual shoe-in, not first time around probably, because that's sure. that's this sacred thing that you don't sure. do not do that. But I do think that he, he gets in, and I don't think there's nearly as much angst about that conversation outside of Minnesota. Six all-star appearances, three gold gloves, should have been four, three batting titles, all as a catcher, Judd, as you mentioned earlier, the only American League catcher to get that done. I don't agree that there's not going to be pushback. I've already started to see some from the national crowd saying, ah, it was a borderline case, but then he went to first base and it, you know, it all went up in smoke. And that rubs me the wrong way sometimes because we had this same conversation in April when he did get his 2000th hit, Judd. I think if Joe Maurer got the concussion from the foul tip in August in 2013, that game against the Mets, and that was just the end of his career, it was, oh, Brain injury, what are you going to do? That's the end of it. I think that Joe Maurer would be a Hall of Famer and there wouldn't be much argument against it. It's the fact that he hung around. That's what and the, saying, the, the fact that he played a more challenging position offensively where there's greater expectations placed on the shoulders of first baseman. Then he gets compared with this other set of peers and he just, let's be honest about it, doesn't measure up to the best hitting first baseman in the American League. Um that's where this gets so tricky. I don't even think it's just from a local perspective. I think nationally, people are thinking like, well, when's the last time Joe Maurer went to the All-Star game? And yeah, he was the face of a franchise, but when's the last time the Twins were in the national conversation, right? So I think he will be penalized locally because lightning rod. But I also think he'll be penalized nationally for the move to first base, and that could hurt his case. I think about Maurer from the way that we view him and his personality and what role this plays in it, that he seems to be a punching bag because he never punches back, right? So that you could say whatever you want. And even today, I listened for the specific purpose to hear if he acknowledged at all. The haters. The haters <laughs> with three Zs at the end. I mean, yeah. but the, a lot of criticism came his way through that time of bilateral weakness, uh, leg weakness, and the concussions, and the contract, and all that. And he gets to the end of his speech today, and he thanks the media for writing stories about him and documenting his career. And it was so very, extremely, exceptionally Joe Maurer to do that. <laughs> very to just on be brand. like, thanks guys for helping me out throughout my life. My grandparents kept like, all the, the yeah, stories. Right. I, I was... Th- Thinking to myself, I hope they didn't keep yeah, all the stories, all the stories Joe. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, oh, poor, poor Nana is crying. You over kept it. every Royce column. You're in big trouble. <laughs> Joe ain't going to be happy. Well, and and that's and that's part of it is that since he never bit back, not even in the last moment, I guess, of his career, if that's what we're going to call it sure. today, or uh, you know, just even putting on the catcher's gear again, where he had every opportunity to be like, guys. I was a great player, and I can't believe you said some of the stuff that you said about me when I was just battling yeah. injuries that I couldn't help. So, and I know that, like, that, but I always thought this about Joe Maurer that if he had, like, punched a guy like Molina, like, Molina is my favorite player in baseball, he will punch a dude, like, all the time. At least twice a season, he's throwing a punch at somebody. And Maurer never did that. And he's never taken a jab at the media. He's never taken a jab at the other team. And I think that sports fans like that sort of thing, yeah. that they really get behind it. Kevin Garnett's a great example of this. Is You just love that he played with it all on his sleeve. He played with that fire. 
And the fact that Maurer didn't, I think, made it a lot easier for a lot of people to say things that they shouldn't have. I think opponents and peers feel a little differently than the fans, but that all plays into Joe Maurer's legacy and his perception. Let's take a break here from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Matthew Collar, Judd Zalgad, and Derek Wetmore talking Joseph Patrick Maurer on his special day. For that bats. To left field. And deep. Welcome back. 2009 American League Most Valuable Player, Joe Mount. I'm uh, kind of speechless right now. He had one of the greatest seasons ever by a catcher. Now to think of an MVP is, is uh, I don't know, I can't really describe it. Can't really describe it. Those are some Joe Mauer quotes oh. for you. Yeah. It was pretty special, guys. A pretty special 15-year career for Joe Mauer. It ended today, officially. We, we kind of knew it was headed this way. There was a big send-off on September 30th at Target Field. This is the Joe Maurer Hour, I guess. We're doing a special edition of the Touch em All podcast from the TCL Broadcast Studios. I'm Derek Wetmore with Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad. Guys, I actually think he he sort of had to make this decision, but I think if it weren't painted into a corner this way, Joe Maurer could actually play and could actually help the Twins in 2019. Uh, he had 282, 351 with a 379 slugging. He ranked second among American League first basemen in on-base percentage last year. And Mm -hmm. what we would consider sort of a meh year. The power wasn't there. I get it. But Joe Maurer in 2018 into 2019, the 36-year-old first baseman, could still help a team play, and he decides to hang it up anyways. I think he made the right move. That we've seen this happen way too many times with way too many athletes where... They give it one more run. Yeah. They think about it. And, you know, a hockey goalie. Said, sing it, Collar. Sing it. Because uh, well, people be like, oh, no, you should always play. Do you, do you remember uh, Marty Baran, the goaltender? He played for Buffalo yeah. and a number of other teams. Unfortunately, he, I He did. and I were talking about retirement once. He did the thing where he thought, okay, I'll retire just one more year, and then I'll retire. Yeah. And then he was atrocious and had to retire really early in the season when he sure. played for the New York Rangers. And what he said to me about that was, once you've thought about retiring, you're retired. Because it's really hard. It's a huge distraction. You let off the gas. It's very hard to keep going the same way when you've already decided that it is soon over. And so for Maurer to make this decision now, as soon as retirement's there, he retires and we're good now. We don't have to see any sort of sorry decline. Yeah. well, I, we, I think that's good. I we, mean, we, we, we saw talk- one sort of, but but it could have been much worse. It wasn't I, that steep decline. I, I do think that, that if he doesn't suffer that concussion in May... He signs at least a two-year contract. Yeah. No, he's not done. No, I, I think the concussion made him and his f- family say, I suffered a concussion while playing first base. And every we know for a fact, every concussion that you suffer gets worse and worse and worse. And I think he suffered that one missed substantial time and probably sat down with his wife and family. And they, and they all probably said, at this point in time, it's not worth it. Yeah. I, I We talked in the break, guys, about... Do you want to be the guy who plays a year too long or call it early, right? And I think that's what he's done here. I think he's called it early. I think athletes, as to your point, Judd, athletes are wired in a way that makes them constantly want to push. So in a way, it's it's almost surprising to see somebody step back. But you knew this was coming when he said on the final day of the season that I don't know which way this is going to go, but... 
I want to get away from the emotion of the season, and let's be honest, probably the physical toll of the season too. I want to get away from that, make a clear-headed decision, and make sure I'm 100% behind the decision. When you start to hear that, 100% behind the decision, to your point, Matthew, I think that's already leaking into your head. When you're being asked about it every single day that you make an appearance in the clubhouse, it can't help but dominate your thoughts from a day-to-day basis. I also think that when you have this magical moment like he did and he plays catcher for the last time and he walks off and there's just so many great photos of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how many I've seen, but they're, they're amazing. The the videos of it, the photos of it, you know, with him in the catcher's gear for one last time and he actually gets emotional at that point, which was a great thing for everyone to see because you see so little of Joe Maurer's emotion. Yeah. Even when he's choking up today, you don't really you don't really hear like him just completely opening up. But it was almost like from that, he didn't have to say anything, but you saw what it truly meant to him Mm -hmm. to have this career, and he didn't have to explain it to you. So to have that sort of moment with him for everyone who's a Twins fan or followed his career, that's the perfect way to walk off. What you don't want, and I'm struggling to remember this exactly accurate, but I feel like Ken Griffey Jr., Yes. May have been carried off by his teammates. Oh, that I don't or remember. Or something like this. Like he had he like fell this... asleep in the dugout. No, but that was the next year when he came <laughs> okay, back. Well, that was, was really sad. I, I think in his last, like he had this last game, and they like carried him off or something, and it was just hmm. like this magical moment for Griffey. And then he did like came back. Yeah, and he was but White Sox Ken Griffey Jr. was not the same Jr. we yeah. grew up watching. And, and even like Ichiro, like Ichiro's career appeared to have come to an end last year, and then he started playing a. Again this year, and they yeah. like made him a coach or something. Well, he retired it, yeah, yeah, early in the part season. Through the season. But that's so. This is what I'm talking about. Like, does that ever sneak into your mind? Where b- both of you said, uh, end the break, that this would be an easy decision for me. You always want Tory Hunter left after a good year in Minnesota when he probably would have had options to try and milk that thing. Yep, he didn't. He he walked away. He had the good sense to walk away at that time. Um, Maurer is doing the same thing. I just wonder. You only get to do that once, right? Isn't but, the certain finality but Derek, of but Derek, it? Derek, what's the point? Like Be, like if Joe, if because Joe when was, you're fifty, okay, you're sitting in your rocking okay, but, chair. But if if Joe was thinking, if Joe was on the team, <laughs> the team guys more. on the precipice of a World Series contending type title team. It might be really tough. You'd be like, my God, I played here my whole career, and now Buxton's going great, and Sano's a fantastic. He's hitting and Bryce bombs. Harper's joining yeah. the Twins and, next year, and we're unbelievable. And I'm going to walk away. No, but I think the concussion combined with the fact that this team it might be ascending eventually, but is nowhere near being really, really competitive and good, or so it looks. I think it makes it very simple. So what you're going to think you're going to be in your rocking chair at the age of 55 and thinking if I had been 36 and I don't think you think that. Well, I think you fear you think that, but I don't think you should be thinking that. Maybe hung around for a year, two years, and they got this thing together. Okay, but then you're going to keep playing into 40. No, that's what I'm saying. Is like there's always that hope around the corner. My point is get out. (laughs) That's why I wanted Peyton Manning to get out. I think you're throwing floating ducks. It's sad. But he went to the Super Bowl. Still don't care. Okay, I'm just saying. Sad to watch. So I, I think Bravo, Joe. I think there's something to be said uh, for for Joe having the sort of humility and the awareness to do something like this. I also think it plays out really nicely for the Twins. This could have got messy if he wanted to come back, and you know you want to spend all this money this winter to go try to build a contender on the fly. You're going to have a lot, tens of millions of dollars to throw into free agency. You've got the prospect ammo to make big franchise altering trades this winter. And then if Maurer wants to hang around on a legacy contract, it's 
got the potential to be a little awkward. This actually works out really nicely for the Twins, despite him closing off a great career. And for locker room purposes, it was fun to hear him talk about how he started the thing about giving someone the Player of the Game Award and things like that. But if you are the veteran guy who's 39 or 38 and you're struggling, like this, sure. is, this is why you know, I make the comparison to Terrence Newman with the Vikings, and he did the same thing. He decided, oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't run as fast as these guys, and it's time to hang it up and just be a coach, and I'll help the team that way. But if he was going out there and really struggling, but then trying to tell other people what to do yeah. or trying to take that leadership position, there's a there's a real shelf life on that thing. And if Joe came back and struggled to hit or got hurt again, and then you have other players that you want to get into that role, I think we see this in hockey a lot where you'll have an older veteran player who's been around a long time, but you really want to kind of start turning those roles over to the younger guys who are the next generation. Yep. And now you'd like to see, okay, so who becomes now the guy in this locker room? Who's the veteran sort of presence or who's the young guy who starts to take that role on and and take over this this leadership type of thing? Under Joe Maurer's shadow, I think that yeah. that would be very difficult. But now it opens up the door to say, uh, for Felvey and Levine even, or for Rocco Baldelli That's to say, right. okay, who's, who's it going to be? Joe Maurer isn't here anymore. Let's see it. That's right. And this is a big winner for those guys, too. I mean, they just handpicked their manager. They've got a lot of money to spend. Cleveland apparently is willing to listen to sell off some players. So I think this sets up a really, I mean, Joe Maurer's wonderful career is this is the final chapter here today, but it also is sort of the beginning of a really this interesting is a transition. This is, this a, is a transition that had to take place at some point, yeah. and, and I think triggering it now is absolutely a good thing. I think this sets off a fascinating offseason for the Twins. Uh, we should talk about that next and talk about maybe the biggest surprise, too, for you, Judd. I know what mine was from the press conference today. I'm talking all things Joe Maurer on the special edition, Touch Em All. Judd Zolgat, Matthew Collar, Derek Wetmore from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Liner into center field, and Maurer breaks it up. Base hit. And for the third time, with one out in the ninth inning, Joe Maurer has busted up a no-hitter. TCL Broadcast Studios. This is 1500 ESPN. I'm Derek Wetmore with Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad. Just wrapping on Joe Maurer after his retirement announcement today. Judd, you and I saw it a little bit differently. I had one big surprise from the press conference. Uh, I, I also, before we get out of here, boys, I want to talk about how this sets up such a fascinating winner for the Twins. But uh, your surprise was a little bit different than mine. I'll, I'll go quick because mine's easy. Sure. I thought he was going to build a cabin in the woods and never be seen from again until they retired his number. You thought he was going to become the Unabomber? <laughs> no, I thought he was going to become Henry Thoreau from Walden's Pond. He loves St. Paul. I just thought he would be the kind of guy who wanted to not be a part of the scene anymore. And then when he said today, I uh, plan to be around. You'll you'll be seeing me. This isn't a farewell. I thought, oh, that actually that does surprise me. I think he's a guy who desperately wants to mix in with the scene. But I don't think he hates the scene. I just think he, he never, ever wants to be or wanted to be the center of attention. Well, when you're so Joe Maurer, I never thought that he'd go off and hunt for the rest of his sure. life and basically say, see you later. Yeah, but you can't watch, walk into a uh, California pizza kitchen and go unrecognized in Minnesota oh, if gee, you're Joe Maurer. Geez, are you sure of that? Oh, geez. Geez, are you sure you I don't do think, that? I don't think for a second that uh, he is unaware of his fame or his status as a public figure. But I've always sensed that it's not natural to him that it's not his 
his element. So that's anyways, right. that's why I thought he would disappear and just go fishing. My my not surprised, my observation is this, and we saw it on September 30th, and we saw it today, and it didn't need to include tears, but I think if Joe Maurer had been as forthcoming in some ways as he's been the last two times that we've talked to him, the perception of him in this town is entirely different. Yeah, He doesn't have to cry, but honestly... We ne- what did we never think? We never thought that, that he cared, right? Yeah, or or that we were that he cared or were we getting the real person? And I think the last two times and listen, he's bland, okay? He's just a bland guy, but that's fine. That's that's no sin. If he had just sort of been that person and been and said, you know, here's what I'm thinking sometimes, and yeah, this this or that. But I really think the last two times that we saw him, if that had been his personality as a twin, the the feeling about him and that contract and his personality in this town is entirely different. What stuck out to me today was just who showed up. And yeah. it was everyone. Everyone. Whether you've been fired or not, you're right. coming to say right. good luck to Joe Maurer. And I think that that says something about him and the type of teammate that he was that we didn't get to see and how a lot of people felt about him and the organization. And I, and I imagine that upstairs when everything was going on, I mean, there's got to be a huge level of frustration, but especially with him getting criticized, that there probably couldn't have been a bigger gap at one time between how some fans were talking about him and writers and how the team and everyone around Joe Maurer felt about him. I, I think that they probably just felt awful that he wasn't able to get back behind the plate and looked at it as, what are you supposed to do about injuries? This is one of the greatest players to ever play that position. How can you people criticize him the way you are? Well, And, and, and that's kind of how I felt about it. I mean, when I came here, it would stun me that I, I came here, I was excited to see Joe Maurer play baseball. In 2016, I get here and I'm like, great, I've got a month to go to a couple of Twins games and see, I, okay, so he isn't behind the plate, but to see freaking Joe Maurer play baseball, like what an honor, this is great, and as just being like a baseball fan. And then I tweet something about it and get 35 responses yeah. of, huh, but do you know what he's getting paid? Like, well, they didn't charge me that at the door, so I'm just going to actually be happy to see one of the best baseball players out there, but... Um, you know, I guess it was, it's just always been interesting to me how his teammates felt about him, how the organization felt about him when he was going through all that, and then the way that a lot of people went after him. Yeah. And I think it, to me, it, it, it makes me really annoyed. I, I look at it and I just can't believe that there were people in this town that would say things like that. And, and it goes to his personality. Yeah. It's like, why do you care? If he has great quotes in the paper. I mean, like, we want those. I get that. But, like, why do you care that he's bland? Like, th- doesn't the organization appreciate that usually when it, when a player Don't make is, headlines. It, it never, like, this is weird because Jeter would get, like, praised for this. Jeter would be like, oh, Mike that's, Trout. that's the way. That's but, the way you do it. Right. But with Maurer, it was like, huh, why don't you show any but personality? It's what Derek, it's what, I don't get that. It's what Derek said. Jeter, you never questioned him. He's unbelievably competitive, but he says nothing. Mm-hmm. Maurer, it was continually, well, he doesn't really get mad, so does he care? That he care. That's the difference. They thought that Jeter desperately cared and, and was a was the captain. And with Joe, it was always this, I don't even know if, if Joe cares, which was totally unfair, but that's that was the stance. Well, you know yeah. what it speaks to, too, I think is part of him being the top overall pick, that if he was like a, a 19th round pick, 
and all that same stuff happened to him, you'd be like, well, the guy worked his way from 19th round. He must care. As if as if he just showed up, threw the cleats on, and started ripping doubles into the gap or something like that. And where he really showed it to you. I think it would have been very easy for him to walk away at one point, especially when he had to make the transition. But this guy, for two years in his mid-30s, played gold glove first base. If you ever questioned how much he cared about baseball, how much he wanted to be out there, then you saw it then. Because first base may be that position in Moneyball where they're like, well, I guess we'll throw Scott Hederberg out there. It'll be fine. Yeah, but you know what? You really see it now. You really yeah. see the difference when you have a gold glove caliber player. You see the, the, the winning difference and the difference between him for the first time he's went out there until the last time was incredible. And that's where he really showed you how much he cared about the game. <laughs> uh, and still, the critics on lines one, two, and three saying, why in 2014 weren't you a gold glove caliber first base? Why did it take until 2017 that's, that's what I mean. for you there, to become that excellent there, there over there? Ju- there are just some people where it's no amount of evidence will even allow them to give an inch. Well, and I, I guess we do politics that way, so we have to do sports that way. But I think you can acknowledge that there were points in his career that were frustrating for everyone and disappointing at times that he was not able to continue to play catcher. But the rest of it is just like you're, you're out of your mind. And keep, keep in mind, too, going into a new ballpark, if the Twins hadn't paid him in 2010... Oh, burn it down. There would have been holy hell <laughs> to pay. Burn it down. If Joe Mauer had come back here in 2011 <laughs> as a Red Sox... To a publicly those funded Those same stadium. people who couldn't stand yes. Joe would have said, what? Oh. <laughs> she pulls SOBs. And, and this is the part of the conversation that I can't wait to disappear with time. I mean, the with, money thing, yeah. with Brett Favre, he goes back to Green Bay. And imagine how angry those people were for a few years. That time will heal all of these things. And eventually, Kevin Garnett will come back here and accept his jersey going into the rafters. And Randy Moss was giving a speech out there, right? So, like, all these things will be healed. And the part that I hope disappears forever and those people go into their hole and never show up ever again <laughs> is criticizing a guy for having injuries that he couldn't control. Yeah, well, it... it or for sets, getting paid for a contract he earned it, that was way better than market price at that time. Yeah, this sets up a fascinating winner for the Twins. I will we'll, fight you in an you're alley really about it. You will. Well, you Listen, better hope football they don't have, guy, calm down, football man. You better hope they don't have Twitter down in those caves that you're referring to. We're talking baseball, into. football man. Calm this, yourself down. It sets up such a fascinating winter for the Twins. We'll talk about it all at length on the Touch Em All podcast, but for now, an ode to Joe Maurer, and go start collecting all the bronze you possibly can so we can cash that statue outside Target Field. For Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar, I'm Derek Wetmore in the TCL Broadcast Studios. This has been a special edition of the Touch Em All podcast.